0: He is a six-time Bassmaster winner. He is a 13-time Bassmaster Classic qualifier, a two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year, with over $2 million in Bassmaster earnings. From Rathdrum, Idaho, the prodigy Brandon Palnick joins me this week on...
1: I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer.
0: Welcome, one. Welcome all friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Welcome into the 145th edition of the Mercer Podcast, and happy hump day to all of my humpers that tune in each and every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, or whatever day you choose to watch this. Um, thank you. Thank you all. I mean, a few weeks ago, I-, I talked to you guys about how important it was for you guys to help me stroke the algorithm. You guys have done a great job, so keep it up. Make sure you leave comments, reviews, whether you're watching on the streaming services, or comments down here. On YouTube. I mean, even if you just leave a thumbs up, that, uh, that well, that strokes the algorithm and it allows this podcast to go out to more people and allows me to do this more often. And, um, well, it, it makes me look like a less of a failure to my family. So help a guy out and help me stroke the algorithm. Uh, I hope you're all having a great week. Uh, it looks like the weather's starting to get better in, in, the southern united states i think i mean no snow i I, well i don't know i'm in canada we're surrounded by snow and snowmobiles right now literally i did a podcast with swindle a few weeks ago and on that podcast they talked about how we have no snow and um none of the lakes are frozen well literally from the moment i said that all it's done is snowed so i'm sorry I'm sorry, if it was my fault, I do apologize. But I thank you for coming in here this week. And um, I understand there are a lot of podcasts. There are a lot of fishing podcasts. It seems like there is a new one each and every day. There's one being launched. And um, I welcome them all to the podcast world. So I understand there is a lot of competition for your views. And I am thankful that you guys spend the time on this show. Because really... I mean, all that I can say, I mean, there's a lot of shows that offer a lot of different concepts and things like that. I mean, all I can tell you is I try to have real conversations with uh, real friends. And, uh, I mean, I think last week's show with the Johnston brothers was a prime example of that. Um, That is literally what a conversation is like with them, whether we're recording it or not. Well, if we're not recording it, it involves probably more beer and swear words. But other than that, that was literally... A straight-up conversation, just like when you call those guys to talk to them. So I thank all of our guests for being on here. And I'm telling you, this week's guest obviously is a huge following and um, a great thinker. I- I've always said that I believe he's one of the great thought leaders in our sport. Um, young anglers, look at him to drive the future. You you know, he just has a good way of thinking about things. And um, I can guarantee you this week, he takes this podcast in a different direction than maybe it's ever been. I mean, we, well, I mean, he talks about books and stuff like that that I normally don't deal with. But without further ado, let's hook up with him in Wrath from Idaho, the prodigy, Brandon Paul. Brandon Pollock, this is the awkward part of the podcast where we're supposed to act like we haven't been talking for a few minutes. But this is even more awkward because I said that a few minutes ago, and then your internet froze. <laughs> but hey, how are you? I, I, I'm doing great. Like those, those are Idaho problems.
2: You know, internet cuts in and out. Uh, I, we have Starlink because we use it on the road, and I know Rick Klun just got Starlink. Maybe I yeah. just need to start using my Starlink at my house so that it's more reliable I don't know the whole Verizon Wi-Fi thing I got going on is not meshing with my
0: computer lately so you have Starlink you just screw that let's make this more challenging well we have cameras at the
2: house so that when we're gone we can see what's going on and if we take the Starlink on the road then we don't have internet here to be able to see the cameras so we have a different internet it was working great it was phenomenal i don't know if they sold too many of them it bogged down the system what's going on it's not nearly as good as it was
0: well you're you're good now you're good now thanks for doing this how's things with you got an extra extra life in your family now which is now a family of four not including kyle yeah yeah Yeah, the
2: joke lately has been i have three kids one with a mustache got two kids under two and a third child with a mustache he's a 34 year old had him when i was two yeah uh no it's it's definitely a lot busier uh i was actually thinking this morning when i was making coffee and stuff and i was was like man kids are like trying to break down a body of water like you go to it you get a new kid go to a new body of water and you're like i have absolutely no idea where to start because this is nothing like the last place i was just at and you're just trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure out all the little clues and pay attention to all the little signs You're like, and then you start putting the pattern together and it all starts coming together and you're like this isn't so bad it's not so hard sometimes you never figure it out you end up in 90th place we all know those kids yeah Yeah. Some of these people, some people watching this might be those kids.
0: I might've been one of those kids.
2: Ditto. (laughs) Actually, I know for a fact I was for a while and it was nobody's fault, but my own. I don't remember it, but everybody that was part of my life early on, I guess I was a great baby. And then sometime around the, where I was able to talk, everybody thinks that I was the devil spawn
0: come on were you really bad though because I I don't like is it just like family stories or do you think that you were like a legit bad kid
2: if it was just my mom I'd be like oh whatever like I was just tough and she was young and that was that but it's literally everybody that knew me in that time frame says I was a terrible child I don't know all the details i know one time uh and I'm, I'm old enough so i guess cps can't get called to my mom but i was i was just screaming in the car and who knows how long i'd been screaming but i've heard this story that my mom got so frustrated that she just had one of those giant uh like gas station cups of dr pepper And I would not shut up for anything. And she just instinctively grabbed that whatever 64 ounces of Dr. Pepper, whatever it was, and gave me all 23 flavors straight to the mouth, straight to the face in the car. Like threw it at you. Yeah. back seat. I'm facing forward. She just takes all 64 ounces, all 23 flavors of Dr. Pepper straight to the face. She said, I shut up because I couldn't breathe. It was straight sticky sugar water straight to the face. And I shut up. And uh, I guess that was the kind of stuff that had to be done for me to to be tamed. And then I turned into a nicer human being.
0: Hey, I don't think that's bad. I mean, there's been a lot of kids have <laughs> been hit with a lot worse than Dr. Pepper, to be honest. So <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't know where that was going. That
2: was going way out in left field already. But yeah kids kids are like breaking down a new body of water you got to figure them out they change you know mother nature throws you something different all of a sudden you're like oh lake's three feet higher sleep regression
0: okay let's figure this new pattern out and you can't compare it to the to the lake before like if you if you're searching for what you had in the lake before you're like oh i know how this works there's no way you're gonna figure it out no
2: we we tried that totally different First one, first one we now know was abnormal on the easy scale.
1: Yeah. It was just easy.
2: Two weeks old, sleep for six hours a night, no big deal. She sleeps 13 hours a night now, most of the night, most nights. The other one, not so much. Every two hours. You know. but the last two months has been survival mode, pretty much, between Tiff and I. She's getting the brunt of it because I still got to get work stuff done fishing stuff done she's taking most of it but uh we we both feel like we're on a on an upward swing now which is good timing because we're getting packed and getting ready to leave for the season already which is mind-blowing to me
0: i mean i feel right around this time of year i don't know if i'm abnormal but i feel like a and i have nothing to handle like you but i do feel like a like there's a pressure like oh boy I mean, I used to have all this time, but I'm going to hit the road and and there'll be no time. Yeah. Your trip and the amount of time you're away is, you know, literally, I go away for five days and fly home and five days fly home. Um, Do you get anxious or anxiety or is it just your life?
2: I'm pretty used to it. Yeah.
0: At this point, um, Tiff's
2: used to it. It's just kind of our normal of what we do but every single year i'm like i'm not gonna wait till the last minute to pack i'm not gonna wait till the last minute i think you and i have had this conversation of like even sponsorships and stuff like i'm gonna get it all done by october and then i'm just gonna coast through the holidays and it'll be nice and calm it never happens ever like this week i'm like i have to fly out tomorrow to go to a show i'm still trying to pack my tackle my new tundra is still getting lifted and wheels and tires and i just got the camper finished being built and to be honest i started the process in october hunted a bunch in september october came around got the boat rigged like, broken in got a lot of tackle organized got the shop pretty organized you know late november december started working on building the camper out and then it's like here's another baby which i mean obviously we knew she was coming for nine months so it wasn't just a surprise baby popped out but i felt like i actually tried preparing and then you can only prepare so much and then you have to kind of just dive into the unknown and take it as it comes and What I've learned and what keeps me from getting anxious is that we always figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. And I think what happens is you, it forces you to prioritize like what has to be done and what would just be nice if it was done. Like I, I would love to have all of my tackle done for Toledo and like rods rigged and be ready when we leave here. But the reality of it is in this last week, I've kind of pushed that aside and said, just get all of the tackle you need. Get all the rods, the reels, like get everything together and make sure it goes down to Texas with you and then prep it that week before. Because we'll have a, a week gap between when everything gets wrapped and then when it actually is game time. So I'm like, I'll have that week to sit down for a couple days rig stuff for toledo um and not stress about it now as much as i would like to have done
0: do you do you do you really stress about things like at this point in your career you've done it for a long time now but do you still like what is the feeling like what are you feeling in your head at this point in the season
1: Mm. I don't
2: get i don't get stressed about the the process uh do not really stress about a lot but it's just trying to make sure that as many things are in order as possible so that when the elites do start i don't have to worry about those other things right so it's like getting all the stuff in the camp or prepped or whatever for four months or something, right? And, and then last year, by the end of the year, I was like, oh, we, you know, had a kid for over a year. We got that figured out pretty good, you know, and, and that was new because we hadn't traveled with a kid. And then you throw another one in, you are like, okay. Well, now, now what do we do? You can't fit two cribs in the closet. That's not going to work. So now, like, we got to rebuild our camper. We got to change. Like, you have to make it work for two kids under two uh, because two kids under two isn't the same as like two five and, you know, five year olds or something. Yeah. You can throw them in a bunk bed. You can't throw a two month old in a bunk bed and hope she doesn't roll out or even a one and a half year old. Just doesn't work. So you're building you bunk in. beds and such. Not bunk cribs. beds, but no, no, cribs. No, 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 yeah. Cribs, you know. Pretty much uh, human approved cages is what it is.
0: And hey, if they get unruly, throw some Dr. Pepper (laughs) at their face. Your mom is going to kill you for that, just so you know. Like, I mean, your mom is so, such a nice person, always so supportive, but I feel like she's going to listen to this and just be pissed.
2: She might. She might be, but I mean, I deserved it. I don't hold it against her. I think the difference is is uh like I'm older, a uh, way older when I with my kids than she was when she had me. When she was yeah. 19. Uh, so I'm probably a little bit more I wouldn't say more calm. I think a little bit further ahead like if I throw 64 ounces of Dr. Pepper <laughs> in my kid's face Then I have to clean up the sticky mess.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to do that. No, no. Do you still, do you like Dr. Pepper to this day?
2: I don't drink any
0: soda, pop,
2: whatever you want to call it.
0: None. All right, well.
2: I can, I mean, maybe every once in a while with, like, some whiskey or something, but.
0: I hear you. I hear you. Not often. So, it looks like to me that maybe you I don't know that it looks like that I think you said this to me you took a break from social media this fall was that just because you were so busy with family or was there any other reason uh it was a combination that it was partially
2: like what I was talking about earlier where you get so busy in time crunch where you have to kind of force feed your priorities Right and take a step back and say, okay, what's what's the most important thing that I need to do right now? And for a while that was I mean, it always is. I shouldn't say it was like a temporary thing that taking care of your family is the most important. Um, but it it just required more time and energy, right? A newborn uh, you know, that doesn't want to sleep all the time, that just requires more time because I also need to survive through all of this and she Important. needs to sleep dumb so um, trying to be supportive of that and and so social media was one of those things that I was like I just I just can't be on it the other side of it and what made it easier for me to walk away was there was just so much negativity it just seemed like every time I scroll through, somebody was complaining about somebody else or somebody was complaining about a new technology or how many transducers and, uh, like, I'm okay with everybody having their opinion. It gets really old to me when everybody is complaining about each other when we're all trying to do the exact same thing. You know, like We're all trying to make a living in this industry together but yet we're like also tearing each other apart that just doesn't work like not if you want to continue to grow the sport at a big level and it i probably shouldn't have just stepped away but i did i was like i just kind of shut all of it out i'm like i don't want to be in this battle um because it's not that i don't care but if if they said if everyone said you can only run one transducer that's fine i'm gonna run one transducer and i'm gonna catch with one if they say you can run five i'll run five if i think it's beneficial i'm still only running one because i think it's better but just it's not that big of a deal i guess I don't know i i i I don't have like the right words for it um but i guess just like my personality and my viewpoint on it is whatever is within the rules and that and that platform i'm gonna figure out how to catch them yeah And, and like that's the most important thing for me and so i took a step back away from that come back and it's like okay now how do you just be somewhat of a positive voice because when you think about it just stepping away and just letting more negativity to be out there doesn't really solve the problem either
0: no no and i've always been kind of a big believer in hey you can bitch about whatever you want to bitch about that that's free but but i listen to the people that are bitching a lot more when i know they're also doing something to to try and fix it, you know, or trying to make it better. If, if, but it, there's been a lot of bitch and just a bitch. <laughs> and, and uh yeah. And Hey, I don't think it matters where you fall on either side of that. But I mean, here's the other narrative that's, that seems to be have become popular lately. Like if you say the word positivity or negativity, people will be like, well, is it different? Do you want to just be blindly positive or or do you want us to be real? And and I think this show, I think our conversations are incredibly real. But I think that one thing I've learned from you is if you dude, if you bog yourself down in crap, that's what you're going to get crap. But if you surround yourself with a positive outlook and think at the end of the day, there's going to be 103 or 104, whatever the number is this year, dudes that are going to launch their boat in Toledo bend and the season's going to start and they're all going to be focused on chasing their dream. But this last few months, it feels like there've been a lot of people chasing clicks.
2: Yeah. And I mean, the reality of it is, is that they're both choices, right? You're choosing to be negative or you're choosing to be positive, right? Situation comes at you. And then you make a choice on how you're going to respond to it, uh, you know, or like something changes, you make a decision on how you respond to that. Uh, like every human has the ability, well, should have the ability, I guess. Not everybody, maybe they their brains aren't wired correctly, but you know, most everybody has the ability to choose how they react to a situation and we make, you know, hundreds of thousands of choices every single day and choose negativity is actually easier because you, you know, typically you're throwing the fault to somebody else or blaming something else versus, uh, you know, like putting it back on you or taking the perspective of the ownership of something that's not going your way. And that's more difficult. To choose that route, uh, but it's also a lot more rewarding to do that. Uh, did you see the post I made about like the the garden comparison? I did not. Sorry, did that I, could, that I if wrote was better and, at podcasts. I'd lie that's... and be
0: like, "Yeah, I loved it." Hold on.
2: No, I I was just curious because I I might read it. Some people saw it, but it's on this topic, and I don't know when I wrote it. I wrote it in my notebook, which has all sorts of random things. It's got like uh it's got sponsorship ideas, marketing ideas, it's got lure ideas, it has
0: random thoughts. Show me this mo um, notebook. I, I want to visualize what, what your notebook looks like. Hold it up in front of the camera. I don't well, I need to see Well, it. this is uh I mean it's just black. not just standard black. I was right. expecting more. Yeah. Now <laughs> Now, I do have this one. I
2: just need to find paper that'll fit in it. My buddy, Nathan Adams, got this for me. Wow. And this is actually uh, real leather that is etched with a picture that I took of the elk I shot this year. So wow. So, the arrow that I shot it with, the elk, this guy raises cattle, then makes real leather notebooks, which is super cool very just have to find paper that will fit in it and that'll be my new little cover all right but yeah there's uh i i didn't date this one i usually try to date them and so the best i can tell is that it was somewhere around the end of 2020 start of 21 just by going like looking at what was before and what was after it uh so I have, let's see, I don't need to read the first part. I don't know why I labeled it day two either, but it says day two. Maybe I was going to try to write in my journal every single day and didn't. You only got to the but, second I mean, day. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to read it because right, it's on do. this topic of like negativity. So it's, it says, our dreams are like a garden. Everyone wants one but not all are willing to put in the work to let them grow. You have to water it daily, give it the fuel it needs to survive. You have to weed weed out your garden, meaning that you have to release any negativity, thoughts, people, or things that are holding you back. Then, when you have envisioned your garden, planted the seeds, watered it, and protected it daily, you can see the growth. And you must let it develop with patience All while maintaining it daily so I I found that a couple weeks ago I was just going through this notebook and like kind of looking back at old thoughts and different things and and I read it I was actually on a flight and I thought wow like that's that's very fitting to right now I don't know why I wrote it then I can't remember that part but I wrote it down and then felt like it applied to a lot of what's happening right now. And uh, it goes back to making those choices every day, right? And you, you have to choose those every day. And whether you like it or not, you have to make that choice, right? Like you have to choose when you're going to get up and get out of bed and what you're going to eat for breakfast. And there's all these choices. And I mean, you have that ability, it's a great thing. About being in this country,
0: you wrote that. I did, yeah. That's very deep, but it's true. I, I think it's true, not just on chasing your dreams, but it's the truth of of life and everything. Like if you don't, yeah, you can want something so bad. I mean, what's the difference between go to a stick and ball sport? It doesn't whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's whatever. There are kids who want to be a quarterback in the NFL more than anything. They can't even sleep at night. They dream about it that much. But the dreaming doesn't get it there. It's the dude who gets up first thing in the morning every single day and spends all day working towards that goal. I mean, I think I think the word dream is, in some ways, I don't know, and I'd like to hear your opinion, but I think it's it's kind of a, because people think of dreaming and it's a thought, you know, you dream, you dream at night about, yeah, sure, dreaming about it's one thing, but you, you can't dream your way into success in anything you need to work and, mm-hmm. and just when you think you're successful, you better keep working harder because there's, you know, swindle says it all the time work when nobody's watching. And and that is the truth. Like if you're not um, constantly working on it, it doesn't matter how bad you dreamed to achieve it. Do you agree with that?
2: I agree with it 100%. Like, is it a night dream or are you daydreaming it, right? Like, are you going through the steps during the day to make that dream a reality? So it it can start with a dream because yeah. I'll just use my own personal experience, but an eight-year-old kid in Idaho that decides he wants to fish on the Bassmaster Elite Series is pretty far-fetched. So that it starts as a dream. Like I would love to do that. I would dream a dream of doing that one day. There's 10 times the amount of kids that dream it versus the amount that actually achieve it. And the only difference in that is what work they put in daily. And that's in anything. Yeah. It can be, you know, it, we just happen to compare it to fishing cause that's what we all love and that's what we're in. But that could be, you know, any professional sport that could be trying to move up in your career. That could be sobriety. right? like someone dealing with addiction and trying to do that. Like that's a daily thing that you have to fight those demons off with. And so uh, it, it really applies to just like you said, like life in general. Uh, i wrote it more based around fishing uh, but it does definitely apply to to
0: life so how do you feel your garden's doing going into this season (laughs) um
2: i i can see what i want it to look like uh uh it's got a fence around it to keep uh you know keep any wild animals out from eating the goods stealing stealing my uh fruits of my labor um i would say all the seeds have been planted and they're starting to sprout so they're like they're in the greenhouse It's pretty cold here can't grow a garden right now they're in the (laughs) greenhouse they're forming they're prepping right um and then it'll be before long like things will be starting to sprout like you'll it'll be time really before, before long. So it's all that, that prep work, I guess, like coming back full circle, the more things I can prep now to take off my plate later lets me kind of go into that. That's what I wrote about on day one. It was about like practicing and making things habit so that it allows your brain
0: to focus on certain things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Last year, when we did a show, we talked about, I mean, you were coming off an Angler of the Year season. And one of the most impressive things about that show, you said, I may have won Angler of the Year, but I know I could be better. This past year, I mean, made the Classic, had, you know, I know you're probably excited to get to Grand Lake again, but a rougher year for you. I think, you know, 33rd for Angler of the Year. How different was the off season for you this year? If you were freaking, I mean, you were training with ex-military people in this mountain training deal last year after an Angler of the Year year, does that mean that that training gets even more so on a pseudo-off year for you? No, it
2: didn't. Uh, um, For me, it was last year was just really different uh because a lot of it came down to execution that i don't understand what happened in certain things um and some of that stuff you can control some of it you can't uh, you know like when i won AOI, i won by 16 points there were several fish that i caught like individual fish that were worth Oh, my gosh. But Someone's at the door. UPS is showing up, and my dog is in the office with me.
0: Freak out. Hey, Crystal Bella. clear audio right now for the dog, just so you know.
2: Yeah, I bet. Bella, Bella sounds great. Hey, Bella, no more. Hey, you're all done. Yeah, I'm sure she sounds great, and probably super loud. Bella, it's the same guy that shows up nearly every day this time of year. I don't know why she thinks she has freak out about it. You know, it's fun, doing
0: her job. That's what dogs think. That's what they think their job is. I mean, they think they got a job. I'm certain of that. Like a dog that people yeah. think they just bark to be a pain in the ass, but it's their job to be like There's somebody here. I need to let them know there's somebody here. I know. And I, I try
2: to not get on her too much about barking. Cause I'm like, you're protecting the house. Like there's a person you don't really know here you're protecting so i can't really get mad at her for that like you have to understand where she's coming from yeah uh but not right now terrible timing or
0: podcasting timing. damn it yeah, she, she needs to be more aware of her surroundings right? <laughs> uh, so off-season training uh, last yeah. year or no last year you were telling me about um things happened you know fish yeah. losses that that you can't explain
2: yeah, and and the year before I caught fish that I I also can't really explain. Right? Chickamauga, I catch a 7 pounder when I have four bass and I've got 10 minutes left to go on day 2 and I catch a 7 pounder. That's individually worth more than 16 points and I win AY by 16, right? Like that happened over and over and over again last year. Or sorry, in 22. Last year, I felt like I made AOI decisions, but I executed just good enough to make the classic. And uh, and some of them I can look back at and say, okay, yeah, you set the hook way too early. Um, you know, like make the adjustment of being able to see them coming to eat your bait, let them eat it a little bit longer but then some of them I can't explain. You know, and it's literally just the difference of the year before, the bass had one hook right here and you land him. This year, he's got one hook, same hook, and he jumps and comes off. Have no explanation for why that happens, right? And as like I I want your opinion on this too, but I I only start to second guess everything. That's that's where my brain first goes. Right, you lose one, and you're like, it's got to be the hooks, got to be the rod, the line, the, like the reel, something. My boat, my boat's the wrong color. Like, you start second guessing all these things, and then I always find myself taking a step back and you're like, no, you've literally won hundreds of thousands of dollars on this exact setup and caught thousands of bass on this setup. It's just them happen. It's not it's not your fault. Like do you ever get that way?
0: Yeah, I, I think I do. I mean, I think everybody does. But I, I want to ask you a question first. That year when you won Angler of the Year, the previous year, did you have as many times in your head? Were you second guessing as often? Or was it more split second decisions? C- certainty almost.
2: Oh, there was definitely more certainty because that that snowball effect rolls both directions yeah right i'm talking about like being in the zone in and so the the difference between the guys that are good and the guys that are great are the ones that can write that ship faster because it it doesn't matter who you are on the sport it's gonna roll both directions there's just there's too many variables there's too much good competition and so it's it's minimizing like those bad days right making the decisions to do that because in when you're on a path and everything is rolling in your favor right like you land that fish that just has one treble hook and that that creates momentum uh and it's all mental right because mechanically like all those things that it's it's very small minute things in your thought process I think that do it um you know it's not like I got taller or shorter I've been 5'9 150 to 155 pounds nearly my entire elite series career um so it's it's a lot of that's mental right and uh and you I did find myself a lot more in 23 second guessing yeah because you know, it was like whether i had control or not i had lost fish and then it happened you know say you lose two or three of them in a row and then you hook the next one and your first thought in your mind is like i'm gonna lose this fish i'm gonna lose him
1: and you can't uh, think that and you
2: can't yeah you can't have that and it, no. it happened to me at champlain uh you know like I ended up having an issue on the way out to my first spot. I lost an hour, finally get out there, start seeing some fish around. first one I set the hook on, I land and then I proceed to lose the next I don't know how many big ones and there's just one after another and and I just had to stop. Right, because I had lost all confidence. And I sat down and I just sat there for a second. And I think I haven't told you this on stage. And and, I, and I, I just sat there and I was like, you can't do this. Like you, Because if you continue down this path that you're on right now, you are destined for doom. Like it's not going, you're not going to get the outcome that you want, Brandon. So I stood back up. And I started casting the confidence and I, I still didn't have the day that I wanted, but I at least got back into a mindset that I could fish because it was, and and it's just crazy because the year before,
0: you know, you don't really have any of that. I I think though. I mean, I think what you said hits the nail in the head, and I've said it a bunch of times, just from watching guys win Angler of the Year. I use the example of Aaron, because I saw Aaron win Angler of the Year multiple times, and I also saw him have tougher seasons multiple times. And the difference between an Angler of the Year season was he'd just be like, they're on that point, let's go. And he would d- go. Like, there was no... De- the next year, I'd be covering him, and he'd be like, Mercy, you think there... Are- you think they're on that point? You know what I mean. Just he's not asking my opinion. He's just talking yeah. the way he would it's talk. But, but that that's the giant difference. Like you can't question it. And I think it actually weirdly enough. And maybe I'm just forcing the narrative. It goes back to your garden deal. I mean, because confidence yeah. and 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 instinct has to be tended to and fed daily. And if you start feeding it negative, which Not that it was super negative, but it was a negative result compared to the level that you were at the previous year. That gets tougher. So just like when you repaired things on Champlain, I mean, that was you clawing out like it wasn't right up to where you wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. But if you didn't take that moment and reset yourself and start clawing out, it would have got worse. More weeds would have grown in the garden and and it would have been harder to harvest. Wow, this is yeah. We had no idea and what I, we're going to talk about. But when you look at it, it really, it's all the same. Yeah. And and the where you really have to take it a step back
2: is that if I, even though I had a terrible day one there, if I don't flip that switch and, you know, go in a, a better direction, I might not make the class. And so even though I don't have, have the year that I wanted or that I expect out of myself, there's little wins like that in yeah. there. And those are the things that you have to hold on to. And like, okay, well, I screwed up royally here, but then I did this well. Like, how do I consistently do that better? Like, not get myself in that position. And you easily could just fish your way out of the classic. Just as easily as you can fish your way into it, you can fish your way out of it. And, uh, and so, like, that, that for me was kind of a win, right? I felt like I clawed my way through and still got to the classic. And then the beautiful thing is, we're right back at zero. Yeah. It, it starts all over, right? And so the guys on top are not the bottom, and the guys at the bottom are on top. Like, we're all even. And, uh, and you don't know. I think that's the the most exciting part for me going into a new season is that you just don't know what's going to happen. Like yeah. that, that unknown of of like, is this going to be another one of the years where just everything clicks and everything just flows because those are magical and the, those feelings are. You just can't get them anyway else. And, and you don't know. Like it's, it's going to happen to somebody.
0: Yeah. You just don't know which guy it's going to be. And it's going to happen to people for periods of time throughout the season. And it's the okay. person who rides it the longest. Uh, yeah. You know, like, and you see that in sports. I mean, the NFL playoffs are going. There's teams that eight games in, people are like, they are your Super Bowl champions. Those teams are no longer in. The playoffs you know but mm-hmm. it, it's riding it through to the finish line and it's staying on top of that which goes back to kind of how we started it's why you don't surround yourself with negativity it's why you don't surround yourself with people because that'll just feed on you you know what i mean because if you're out there and it's not going well like you talked about in champlain and then you start you've you've spent the last three days with a bunch of dudes who are like well no wonder joy has got 17 graphs on his boat no wonder he's then you start feeding that you don't start trying to repair what went wrong you start Mm -hmm. becoming a victim in in your own story which ultimately you should be in control of
2: yeah i agree Do, do you think it is more difficult or easier in a team aspect to be able to control that because you can have all the same guys on a on a football team the year before. They don't even make the playoffs. They come back the next year, and, you know, they make the playoffs and Super Bowl champs or whatever. You know, like they – how – do you think that's easier? Because yeah. Because obviously uh, physically, like, they probably didn't get that much better. And is it easier to control that? in a team aspect or individually like fishing, do you think?
0: I think in a team, because you're all, you know what I mean? Like everybody second guesses themselves, but when you're part of a team and everybody, the Detroit lions are a prime example. What Dan Campbell, their coach has done with them is incredible. What they've come from is incredible, but it's all literally about belief. Sure. They got a few good draft picks and they have some great players, but it's because everybody believes everybody is. And I think as soon as you start to get those moments of self doubt in a team environment, there's people there to be like, no, no, we got this. But, but yeah. in the exact same thing can happen in a team where if all of a sudden there's a group of people who are like, no, this coach doesn't know what he's talking about. This is that you can go down. You know what I mean? I think it's easier to stay up with a team. And I think that's why it's so important. Like, I mean, nobody talks about it, but bottom line, I don't know any angler that's ever caught them when stuff's bad at home. Because yeah. you get that moment of self-doubt, and when you get back to your trailer and you see Tiff and Kyle and your whole family, they're, they're like, you're getting them tomorrow. But if, if if Tiff all of a sudden was like, you didn't catch him again, huh? That yeah. weighs you down. Like, I just... I. And I think you can't stay up for eight hours. Like, no matter how positive you are, those voices speak to you, I would assume.
2: 100%. Everybody in the world has
0: some sort of self-doubt.
2: Even, even like, the most rah-rah, positive, uppity people on social. A lot of times, those are the people with the most self-doubt, and then they mask it with you know, like something else. Yeah. That's not their true thing. You see that a lot in comedy and things like that. Yeah. Um and so it's like that's just the reality of it. It's part of being human. We have feelings. So you it's then it's like learning how to manage those. And uh yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy to me. I, I would say that it's probably easier in a team because you can like you have more people to build off. Yeah. But then it's also like the other extreme, right. It's probably harder when, because you're surrounded by more people, you don't have the control of that locker room. A hundred percent. You could have, you know, half the team is trying to be positive and like, and have the belief. And then the other half doesn't, it's not going to work. It has to be all or nothing. And, uh, Thankfully, my small team of people is uh, pretty positive. They don't they don't look at me and go, wow, you really suck today. Well, <laughs> they do.
0: But I, in a nice way.
2: But, but I know that it's coming from, you know, a place of us all being smart asses to
1: each other.
0: Swindle, if you, I don't know if you saw that show that we did recently, just a couple of weeks ago. If you guys haven't yeah. seen it, tune into it because it is awesome. And one of the things that, I thought was super cool that he talked about. And I don't know that he's talked about before, but the whole PMA thing, positive mental attitude. Initially it was for him. You know what I mean? Everybody looks at him now and he's like, this dude's super positive. Well, he had gone through horrible things with his brother passing and different things and he needed to. But when you surround yourself with people that are bringing it up and, and through him, through learning stories of different people that are, suffering through different things, firefighters and people that deal with things that make the five biggest fish sound like a really stupid thing to get stressed about. Um, it can't help but be positive. You know what I mean? When you're like, man, this guy's dealing with this. I So I think that, I mean, it just, it's proof in itself that, you know, that you have to surround yourself and you have to always, I mean, everybody has, everybody has dark times. Everybody has, feelings of self-doubt i think that's i think that's the biggest question when people come to the elite series like i don't care how many terms you want at home but the first time you launch your boat you're like can i really hang with these guys and it takes mm-hmm. a while to answer that um yeah. it's
1: wild i
2: i know one thing i've learned from the, a lot of world travel didn't say a lot but like traveling the world to different countries and places around this planet is that typically most every other country i've been to has less than what we do in north america but yet they seem to be happier when when you approach them or talk to them uh you know there's people on the streets of thailand that are pushing a cart around selling a stick of meat for 25 cents and they're doing it with a smile on their face and it's not a fake smile because you'll see them smiling from a distance when you're not talking to them um uh, you know and then and it's it's almost like sometimes i guess uh like the whole cold plunge thing, right? Or like doing something that is hard is is meant. It's like a mental thing. Yeah, um, you know, like building that mental toughness. Like doing something hard right away in the morning is like that win. Um, and and it's when it's too easy or too many comforts, it's like it allows your brain to just go off into a lot on negativity land, but
0: enough on that. Yeah, it's wild. It, 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 I mean, I think Cold Punch is a prime example. I mean, I know it's super popular right now. It's a trendy thing to do, but ultimately, you're getting a high because you're going through something hard. But it's no different than the same high that you have at the end of a day after you work really hard to do. You, you know what I mean? It's not. you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't think that. I mean, you're not accomplishing anything, but you are. You know, you're, you're, everybody else says, get out of the water. You're an idiot. Why would you do that? But, but just you're mentally training your mind. Like, I think it's, I mean, anybody can sit in there, but, but they don't, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that challenge between it's wild. Wow. The brain's an amazing thing.
2: Yeah. It's what makes guys break down on stage when they win. Yeah, you know, like a guy doesn't break down and cry on stage or get super pumped up or excited on stage because that week was easy. You know, like someone's gonna win the classic, and they're not gonna be like, "Wow!" Like they're not gonna break down and cry because they had three really easy days of fishing and everything worked out and it was awesome. It's the thousands of hours of sacrifice and like all of those struggles essentially come out of the guy and that happens uh and and that's and i don't know it's like i think that's why it's important to to do hard things or like when you know swindle talking about his hardships brought on that positivity like you and some people it breaks and some people it hardens right and it and hardens in a good way right like you you're able to see it in a more positive light and things like that. And so I think uh, it's it's all tied together. It's all crazy. It's all a big giant life garden that we're weeding out and managing daily. So if you're listening or you're watching, right, take a take a good look at your garden. Get rid of all the
0: weeds you got. Make get it flourish. The, get the hole in your Well, that sounds wrong. (laughs) Maybe start out with a
2: spade or something. Some people might just need to go at it with a weed eater. Yeah. Chop that whole thing down and start over.
0: And and I think that there's people that, dude, for every... Beautiful garden. I can't believe we were talking about freaking gardens. <laughs> who would have ever imagined? Like if I'd have called you uh, up and like we're gonna do a podcast and we're gonna talk about your garden thing, we never would it's have not done really it. A garden. Uh, it's a philosophical garden. Yes, of course. But uh, you you take somebody with the nicest garden. There is somebody who wants to trailblaze right through that, and I think that is part of you, you know what I mean. That that's it's wild how there's the world seems to be getting increasingly more negative. People that want to, and the shinier you are, the the more you accomplish, the more people come after you. It, it's it's wild. It's a weird time in humanity. I think.
2: Yeah, it's a good time though.
0: Yeah, no, it's an incredible time. Let's talk about a not a good time last year because I don't think I've even asked you about this together. Oh, gosh. You won a tournament last year, but didn't win a tournament. <laughs> Talking about things not going your way, losing fish. You literally had enough weight to win a tournament. But due to a, you know, fish care penalty, did not win said tournament. That has to be a huge freaking hit to take. You know what I mean? When we're talking about keeping positive and everything, but you're like, I I did what I could
1: do.
2: Yeah, but... yeah, it's it's still really weird to think about. Um, it it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me to talk about it. Um, it it first thing I gotta say is, isn't it? It's kind of funny that I won an award for losing a tournament. <laughs> won won the the best supporting angler for the bassies. Yes. Um, I got a good kick out of that. It's much appreciated, but it's like you won because you lost. Congrats. Uh, That was, uh, I don't know. If it would have been any other tournament, I might have had a different outlook on it. And I'm not going to say that it didn't bother me because it did. It like, it shattered my soul for a second, you know, because I I know at this point in my career how hard it is to win. I know how rare those moments are, those weeks are. And it was right there. It was like right there in my hands. Like I literally had it, had enough. And I haven't talked about it a lot. Um, and I'll get to that in a sec, of like why I didn't really, I haven't talked about it unless somebody asked me about it. Uh, is that, uh, if it would have been any other tournament i may have had a different perspective because going into that one i didn't feel like i had a shot to win and so i was thankful for being in that position in the first place i didn't i didn't think there was any way i had a shot to win i thought if everything went perfect i could go in i could catch a big bag day one And then that was going to be it. I was going to exhaust that area day one. And then I was going to ride out day one. And I was going to catch seven to nine pounds a day on day two and day three. And I was going to finish somewhere in the thirties. It's kind of where my math had it. And I was going to walk out of there and be happy with that. Because I practice daylight to dark every day. I found what I found. And that was it. So I'm like, here here's my game plan to make the most out of it. I'm worried that a bunch of other guys found these fish, right? They're spawning yeah. fish. The biggest ones I saw the entire week in less than a foot of water. I'm like, how do you miss them? You can't. And it seems so obvious to me. And sometimes things that seem so obvious to us are not that obvious to other people. Uh my saving grace was that it was quote unquote shad spawn morning time deal so the guys that had seen some of those fish thought i'm gonna go capitalize on a shad spawn try to get right in a hurry and then i'll go pick off you know one or two big ones and the other guys that i had seen in there you know i draw boat 68 69 or something day one and i'm watching like a hawk 'Cause I'm so nervous. And I'm like, well, there goes that guy. He he's not going back there. And then the next guy's like, he's not going back there. And next thing you know, you're calling my name. And I'm like, nobody went. Like, I have free reign. And uh and then I'm like, so I just start at the front. I never saw a boat until nine o'clock. And I've already got nineteen pounds before i see the first boat like game plan works out perfect right so that that started that momentum and then day two comes around and i think well i left a two pounder and like maybe a three pounder back there like i'll start back there and see and i fished super free and just made adjustments and calls and you know i would see a stump on my Omega 360 Next thing you know, I catch a four-pounder off of that. I'm like, oh, new pattern. I'll do that. Then I see a brim bed. And I catch a big one off of a brim bed on a drop shot. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. And and I started putting these pieces together. And next thing you know, it's day four and we're launching. And they're like, You're still in the lead. You was like you led day one, and day two it was like every day I came back to the stage I'm like, I can't believe it worked again. And then day three, it's like I can't believe it worked again. And day four got tougher. Um, you know, the the weather got cloudier, it's a little bit colder. There weren't a bunch of new fish showing up. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but in that moment, I wasn't going to let myself just sit there and hope that I was gonna win. I was, I made the decision, you know, I said, I felt like I needed one more three pound bite. I didn't feel like 11 pounds was gonna be enough to secure it, and I said, I'm gonna go run. I'm gonna leave this area, I'm gonna run some other stuff, some high percentage areas, brush piles, things that I can hit fast, I can cycle through them, and and I'm gonna go after it. Right? Like, I'm going to try to capitalize on this opportunity, not just hope that it happens.
0: Yeah,
2: I check my live wells. Look, everything looks great. Make sure they're full. And I take off. I got 45 minutes before I have to come back and check in. And I start running down the lake, just jump and place to place to place to place. Hit, you know, make three or four casts, move through forecast, move. And I don't think anything of it. Right. Like, Don't think about changing my fish. I got 45 minutes, catch them. I get back to weighing, and everyone's like, oh, it's going to be close. And in my mind, I'm thinking you blew it. You didn't catch your three pounder. You got 11 pounds and change. You're going to lose. So I I came back with that mindset and I was okay with it. I was like, it's great, great tournament. And then everyone starts building me back up. Like how much you really got? I said, I weighed them. I got. 11 and a quarter, whatever it was. Like, you got a little bit more? I was like, no, I literally, like, what is in Bass Track is probably what I have because I weighed them and I called them out as close as I possibly could do it. Like, it's gonna be really close. It wasn't like one person told me that, like, 20 people told me that on the way to the tanks. Like, it's gonna be ounces. And I, and you can, I've been around enough times, I can tell, like, you and Lisa. and and chris bows like all the bass staff people and all the media people you can feel the tension in the air because we might have a fish off it might be a tie
0: we did have that conversation before (laughs) weighing. yeah
2: and i can i can sense that and i can see it in everybody's demeanor right and the things that people are saying and uh, so all of that then starts to build me back up like oh i might have a chance and i start doing the math i'm like oh well if i have this and he's got that like like, it is gonna be really close but i might have enough it it might happen and i start pulling fit out and i go to grab number three and i grab it like i and i just grab the ball like the floating ball i'm like that's weird. Pretty sure that's a pound and a quarter, pound and a half. And he feels like he's about 30,000 pounds right now. And he was stuck to my live wheel divider. So I had some I had some screws that had uh, backed out. And the little plate that holds my live wheel divider in there had separated just enough. And I'm assuming when I went and ran around for that forty five minutes that my cold tag had slid behind that and pinned that little fish up against there and when he couldn't move, I guess he couldn't, you know, swim and breathe and it ended up killing him. And oh and so when everyone's telling me it's gonna be really close and then I grabbed that fish, I'm like, my heart sank. Like that that could have cost me. And I mean, I've cold I've had three mistakes where I've had six fish in my level and it hasn't cost me yet. So I was due for something to cost me, but it, uh, when, when that happened, it, I don't know, like it. I just, I guess I'm thankful that I was able to put it all into perspective really quickly when, when the weights were called, um, uh, because there wasn't a very big gap from the time that Will Davis Jr., weighed in and then he weighed and in. in my mind i'm thinking that dead fish literally just cost me seventy thousand dollars and a blue trophy and and i had to process that very quickly and the conclusion i came to was that a bass nation guy is gonna win either way whether it's me or will right like a bass nation national champion it's on his home body water. It's where he grew up. It's like where his big company is. Like, so when I took a step back from it, I was like, "This is just how I was supposed to go." And drama likes to follow me around, and you know, I just happened to be on the backside of it this time. And uh, and I never, I didn't go out and talk about it right because I easily could have said, just went out and be like. I hadn't won. I, you know, I lost this fish. It died. Whatever. Like I didn't talk about it unless people asked, because I didn't want it to take away from Will's moment, because he earned it. the The perspective I have now, like all those things happen for a reason, whether it's good or bad. There's a reason to happen. The storyline of him winning there is phenomenal. That's amazing. If he's gonna win his first blue trophy, it should be there. And the fact that it happened the way it did just made it that I guess it made it that much more exciting for his win. Right? Because it, it came down to ounces. Like it was high high stress, high intense, high intensity. And uh and I don't know Will really good, but from what I do know, he seems super stand up great human being. And so you have to be happy for guys that have put in that much work on a body of water. And it it happens, right? And the reality is that he put himself like he won it fair and square. He put himself in position and he also made decisions that final day that allowed him to win. If he doesn't go back and catch that jerkbait fish off a bed or something like then my fish dies and I still win, right? So he, I had a bad thing happen and it cost me the win, but he also made positive decisions that allowed him to be in that position to capitalize on my fish dying, right? And getting a four ounce penalty. So, I was able to process all of that in a very short amount of time and be happy for Will, even though I did shed some tears backstage.
0: It, it was a weird way in, too. I mean, the whole way, like, I mean, there was a huge storm coming in, um, and yeah. we knew that, like, we're like, we need to fire through this way and then get everybody out of here safe. His family was there and, and like, a huge group of people. But, like, I, I don't know even if you realize, but, like, when you walk on the stage, I introduce you, and I remember me and Jacob talked about how crazy it was. But literally, you hear this thunder. <laughs> Like, as you walk out the stage, it was, like, biblical. And then when he wins, it's pouring rain by that time, but all of his people run to the front of the stage, which was super cool. I didn't even know. I just knew you didn't have enough weight to win. I hadn't even processed that there was a fish care penalty. And then I remember going backstage and giving you a hug and being like, man, this was a tough one. And then I found out what happened. Yeah. But um, that, that also has to back to our original you know the year before when everything's going right you know even when things are going right in a in a off year stuff like that i mean that has to beat down your your confidence you know like i mean do you just write it off as hey i wasn't meant to win or
1: yeah
2: that that's why i say it was different in that event because i started the week with a completely different perspective i i came into it saying I'm going to be pumped if I get out of here with a 30th place finish because I, I, I have nothing. I got one day and then it is straight scramble mode for two days and I was able to, you know, like all the things just happened like they all came together. Um, you know, and, and it wasn't like, yeah, that one fish died and we, we can put all the blame on that one, but I I lost other fish, right? Like, I lost a five-plus pounder on a drop shot. I lost a three-and-a-half pounder on a swim bait. I mean, like, you, you just have to look at it for what it is and the reality of the situation, and uh, I don't know. That that one did not hurt my confidence at all. Like It actually, for me, it was a boost of confidence because I took something that was nothing, and turned it into a near win you know and in my mind i was able to say you caught enough to win like out of pretty much a farm pond it wasn't a farm pond it was part of the lake but like the size of some farm ponds is the amount of the area i was fishing and that that was a confidence booster and i and i rode that into the next week at the bass open
0: not just a farm pond, but probably the most publicized farm pond in, in the history of pro fishing. Uh, yeah. Kevin obviously won a classic there um, a few years before. It was highly publicized. Yeah. How often does that happen? Do you, when you look at your victories, how often are they events where you go in thinking, uh, just hoping to survive this one, and then you end up winning, or, or are most victories ones that you're like, I got a shot this week?
2: four four out of the five elites have been i got a really good shot to win this week that's what made santee cooper super cool for me uh, not only battling it out with carl and all that just made it more fun and in its own unique situation but i didn't i didn't really know what was going to happen you know I, I knew that i was around some good fish But I I had to make a lot of the right decisions to make that win happen. So that one was super special in that way. My first one, I just had a feeling like this is going to be special.
0: I didn't know what everyone
1: else was (laughs) going to find. I
0: mean, you won by how – I mean, you you could go to the hospital in the middle of the tournament and still win it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I had like a 14-pound lead or something going into the last day. But it – um. And you know, like Saint Lawrence is like in two thousand thirteen. I knew that I had something special, and I hadn't seen a boat. Uh, I was nobody else was running to the lake. I hadn't seen a boat in days, and and I knew that what I had found was special. But you don't know what everyone else has, right? And so those things build throughout the tournaments. Uh, the open that I won on the James River, like I didn't, I didn't know. That i was gonna have a shot to win that you know even after day one it wasn't until l- really late the last hour of day two that i felt like i had a shot to win and those are um you know those ones are just different because they catch you by surprise yeah and, uh, you know i've only said each win is special in its own way because it has its own storyline things that make it unique and special those ones that, I don't know. I don't know if they're more rewarding because you make the, the right game day decisions that catch you by a surprise and you're able to win or get close to winning. Uh, but it, it definitely makes it easier to swallow a
0: loss when you're not expecting it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, more crushing. And I mean, more crushing too when it, yeah, I mean, obviously, well, Let's move on because I know you got an appointment coming up and you gotta go. So yeah, yeah, better keep track of time. <laughs> Why do you call Swindle G Daddy? I've never asked that. I've I've hey. heard you call him that many times. Why? It all started
2: twenty twenty. It it was Gunnersville. I'm pretty sure it was the the later one at Gunnersville uh, during twenty twenty. Me and Gerald were fishing the same road bed. And uh we both fished there day one and I had fished uh a little bit off and he was fishing more of this underwater bridge part and I was fishing kind of like a broken up section. And I I knew exactly what he was fishing. I'd found him there in practice, but didn't mess around with it. Well, Day two comes around and it was like all of my bass turned into white bass. I had one bass and there's nothing around. And, and G's over there just winding them in like every cast. And he, he waves me over and he's like, You got him? I said, No. He said, Slide up in there and catch a few. And, and I have a live camera because I caught him really good day one. And I, I slide up in there and I, bombing crankbait out there and I'm burning it back and I'm burning it back and it locks up. And I and he goes, Who's your daddy? And I go, You're my daddy G <laughs> on live camera. And ever since then he's just been daddy G. And right. you know, and we're just I mean like I'm reeling in a bass talking to Daryl Swindle, telling him he's my daddy, joking around, laughing and uh and it's one of those surreal moments that I'll probably never forget because you know, he's he's one of the legends of the sport. He's one of my heroes that I grew up watching and idolizing, and to be able to have banter conversations like that—that's the kind of stuff that means more to me now than like you know fish catches or wins. Like that moment was more special, not. Catching was more special than catching the bass, right? Like just yeah. that camaraderie and uh, the commentary of that. We got a pretty good laugh out of it. Uh, and yeah, and that's, that's
0: why he's just daddy G. Daddy G was born that day. <laughs> he, uh, I, I think I put him in a group. I mean, I've said this about clown and stuff, but I just see like a different G, like not that. I mean, but 100%. I think that's also your job in life. Like you should be much different than you were 10 years and 10 years before that, you know, like you should 10 years from now, you should you should be a much different person. Um, But I feel like he's just there's so much of him that is is giving back to the industry and not that he hasn't. I think everybody gives back in their own way, but I, I just feel like he looks to help more people now. Um, or yeah. he might've been a, a just more laser focused competitor at other times in his career.
2: Yeah, that's, that's definitely in an age thing. I think that just comes with time. Uh, but that's kind of like that, that old wisdom that you get. Right. And so anyone that's not there yet should go listen to that podcast because it's, it's, it's really cool if you're able to step back and look at it, and know that you possibly might be on that trajectory. Right? And that that's kind of how things evolve. I guess you become less selfish. I guess maybe. And we're in a very selfish sport, and so it's like, hey, okay, how how do you give back? Or like, what is what is your why? Uh, there's a really good book. Uh, I think it's Simon Sinek you told me about it why i still haven't read it you didn't read it yeah good one good one Uh, do they have it on tape or i guess there's no books on tape anymore i don't know they have it on audio but yeah yeah on tape you can watch him (laughs) give his keynote speech on vhs Dave.
0: no i i think that that is very true when you look at, at your career what are the i mean when you when you realize I'm an elite series pro, I'm an elite series champion, I'm a big part of this sport, I'm a two-time angler of the year. Remove all of that. What is it that fishing gives back to you outside of victories, outside of an income? Uh purpose.
2: Is is probably the biggest thing. Um when and it kind of goes back to like the conversation you had with G but when when I started it was all selfish, right? Like this is my dream. This is what I want to do. I wanna be an elite series angler. I want to fish for a living. That isn't dead. That's still inside of me. That's like still a lot of the drive, right? But the the purpose is not necessarily shifted, but there's there's added purpose. And that just comes from experience, and uh, you know I go back and forth all the time. Like, why do we film these videos? Like, why, like, why do I keep filming all these videos and spending all, you know, tens of thousands of dollars every single year to bring Kyle along and film, and uh, you know, like, nobody's sponsoring it. Like, what, like, why are we doing this? Right, not making any money off of it. And then i realized we're not doing it for the money like yeah i'd love to have somebody sponsored to offload some of the cost but i get messages or emails or uh like now people bring gifts to us for our children those are super meaningful because even if it's something simple someone's worked for that money and then spent their own hard-earned money give something to my kids you know and they and typically that comes with some sort of note that says to the effect of like thank you for you know being a positive role model for my son or my daughter or something like that and then so now that that is more of the purpose right is then you you realize that we're not just catching bass like we're 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 able to set an example because even if we have some negativity in bass fishing as a whole, per capita, human being wise, there's a lot of really good people, right? If you compare professional bass fishing and the amount of felony and crime rates versus other professional sports, say we're probably winning, probably winning that game. (laughs) <laughs> and uh it, and i think that's that's now more the purpose right also being a dad is like setting that example of of good humans because we need as many good humans as possible i'm not perfect i suck some day some days uh but that's but it's that constant process we've talked about it before of, constantly getting better. It's like, okay, I screwed up there. I made a mistake. Learn from it, own it, learn from it, move on. And, uh, yeah, I guess giving back's the biggest thing.
0: Last question. No, I got two more questions for you. The last question that I'm I'm going to ask, most of your answers are, I mean, but, but they're all, I love, I mean, it's, it's a trail. It it, it goes somewhere. Um, what do you think the future of this sport is?
2: Uh, unknown. That's not like a gloomy answer. Um, but just in the fact that it could go a lot of different directions depending on like how we navigate that, right? Because... All of us that are in the industry now, whether it's people that own companies or anglers or media MCs, like we all have a level of influence on how the industry navigates and where it goes. And obviously we can't control like stock markets and economies and all of that, but just from what the industry looks like and how many new people are coming into it and where it grows, uh, I think it just kind of depends on how like how those decisions are made, right and like what those decisions are made for. Uh, and that's and we don't all have that, we don't all have control over that. right You and I can control certain things, but we can't control other things. And, and it's, I mean, it's just, it's unknown. Like, we don't, we don't really know. There's a lot of changes. You got these, a lot of companies are held under big private equity umbrellas. And so there's, there's less people making more decisions in the industry that matter. And so those, we need those people to make the right decisions to continue this industry in the right direction
0: that makes sense yeah yeah no makes sense and i think as long as the decisions are made i mean we're all stewards of the sport and the stewards before us i think did a good job and i think just as long as people just care about the sport and care about the you know ultimately as you said i mean there's a lot of good people and and that i have faith in that I have yeah. 100% faith in. Yeah. I will There's go to enough. war with this group of people any day of the week. And at some times in my career, I have. It, yeah. Because, but they're good. They're they're good people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. 100% get it. I, I got one. I, I, I,
0: go I, ahead. Yeah. No, you go ahead.
2: I mean, you better just ask your question because we're getting close. No, no,
0: no, you're fine. I just texted the person you're having a meeting with and told them we're going to be a couple minutes late. (laughs) So (laughs) where were you going? Uh,
2: Let's see if I can remember now. Uh, Yeah, I
0: lost it. That's how quick my brain just went. Um, Okay, then I got one last question for you. It's not for me. It's from our previous guests. You get to ask, a, oh, answer God. a question, ask a question. And no, uh
2: last guess was, I'm a little nervous.
0: The Johnston brothers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Corey had the worst question ever. It was like, well, what would you be doing if you didn't fish? Um, Which is like the, I mean, you've answered that question 7 billion times, I'm sure. But <laughs> Chris's question was. Said that though. No, not one bit, not one bit. <laughs> <laughs> Chris's question was a little more spicy. He wants to know who do you least like to fish against on the Elite Series. You take that any direction you want. Chris Johnston. It's <laughs> a great answer.
2: Why? He's literally one of my least favorite people to fish against. Because he's really good, and we always end up on the same stuff. Smallmouth fishing. I don't like. It happens all the time um and it happens largemouth fishing too but some days it's like we're literally running the exact same waypoints we don't even have the same mapping or anything but you know like certain guys will look at bodies of water a certain way and uh and for whatever reason certain bodies of water me and him and it's not butting heads but we look at the body of water and break it down the same way that week and we end up finding a very similar pattern and then because he's as good as he is well he ends up finding nearly everything so then it's like me and him on this rotation and you'll run and you're like gosh dang it and you're like freaking chris again and uh but but I, I say that, like, you know, in a compliment to him, it's not like he's a dirtbag and I hate fishing against him. But we have a few of those. But from a – just from, like, a frustration point on the water of like, really? It's Chris again. And, and, and like, these aren't obvious points. Like They'll be flat banks with two boulders on them in 40-foot of water – and I I roll up, you know, and it's never. Oh, I ran three minutes, and there he is. It's like, like I ran twenty five minutes out of the way to cast at these two rocks, and he's <laughs> sitting there.
1: Like, oh, couldn't pretty- you just
2: leave like four minutes ago and been out of sight before I rolled up here, just so that I you know, I would have felt better about rolling up and not catching a bass.
0: But, yeah. It's a good answer. You, you know how you said earlier, you got to follow your instincts. I too believe I got to follow my instincts and something in me is screaming to ask this question. How many dirt bags do you think we got? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like
2: consistent dirt bags or just ones that can like turn into dirt bags in desperation. Well, wow, I mean, a dirt bag's <laughs> a dirt bag, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, overall, I guess if you can be a dirt bag in desperation, then you're just always a dirt bag. Uh, Probably got four or five. Got a handful, maybe.
0: All right. That's pretty is, good, you know. I have 100 plus. It's pretty good. Percentage. Yeah. Is that number going up? There is some people who think that, you know i've had people say it on here that it's not the same etiquette people just kind of it's it's a much more pirated world let's just say i wouldn't say no It's always yes, been four or five like, dirtbags.
2: yeah like, you're just always going to have those people in anything the the difference is is that's why i said like the desperation thing right is you see guys do things out of their normal character out of desperation right whether it's cutting a ten thousand dollar check or like that the the stress or like the i don't I'm not thinking of the right word but like the, the necessity yeah. To, yeah like the pressure and the necessity to succeed is overpowering the morals and values of the unwritten rules in the sport because there's a lot of people that don't break any of the written rules and but when they get desperate they'll push the boundaries of the unwritten rules that are within the sport and and some some people just don't know they haven't been put in their place or explained to like that's not gonna fly here and sometimes you just have to do that right and like you have to set that boundary that level of respect with guys uh, and and so I, I think that's happening more because there's more pressure and desperation to succeed that is overpowering those things right and so we put more limelight on like the winning like the winning of the check and the money more so than like the winning of the respect amongst your peers yeah Yeah. And, and so that that causes a different uh like thought process when when it happens and uh and and it's easier as a whole everyone is a better angler and so guys are a lot more switched on now than they were before right like pretty much everybody can see you on an offshore spot and figure out how to go catch them on it they got enough technology and enough you know wits about them to like look at their map like yeah he's probably on that point and they can go check it or so you there's aspects of it, but I don't there's a difference between people doing it out of desperation versus people that just do it on the daily
0: well yeah, but I think i mean I think that's everything like dude, nobody dreams of holding up a seven eleven, but they get in a desperate situation and they hold up a seven eleven I mean it's how do how do we change that?
2: education people just have to know like that like between right or wrong and knowing that that's that the that's a very short-sighted decision and if you want to play this game as long as Rick Klun, you can't make short-sighted decisions because the industry is just way too small and odds are you're going to be competing against the same you know say 60 to 75 guys for a long time. Yeah. And and, and if, if you're making short-sighted decisions for short-term gain, it's going to be a short road. You know, and that's, and if you are around for a long time, it's going to be a really rough road for a long time. And uh, and I think i just need to understand that and i mean i'm sure i've pissed people off on the water and made you know cut guys off and pissed them off
0: uh intentionally unintentionally i don't know but i think you're in competition and there's going to be times where you cross swords for (laughs) lack of a better term i mean that's a horrible analogy again
1: that's a terrible
0: one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's terrible and we're not well, well we're here walking come, into the bathroom <laughs> following up with a better term because we said this the last i think the one of our podcasts but if you shortcuts are short-lived it's true like if you're looking yeah. for that short it's the same thing where people are like i didn't even want to mention that i'm i was about to go into a diatribe about forward-facing and sonar and people just yell at me for it so next part of this is You got to ask a question to our next guest without even knowing who our next guest is. But let me tell you this. It's a good one. It's a
2: good one. Um, If you could change any... Can it be a two-part question? Sure, I would expect nothing less from you. (laughs) If you could change anything about yourself what would it be and what would you change about the industry in its current state
0: okay i think
2: those are good questions because i I really want to know and i'm curious to see if those go like hand in hand
0: well we'll find out on our next show but dude i think this this, like I always say, we never have really a direction, but I think, uh, I mean, if you, if you really listen to this, this started off with something you wrote in a book a few years ago. And I mean, I, I think it became a, this is a freaking podcast, Paul, Nick, what do you
2: think? It's long enough to be considered one.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> uh, thank you, dude. Um, I always leave podcasts thank with you. you with, with more questions, but, uh. You answered a lot here this week, and uh, I, I've always said this about you. I think you, you'll never say it about yourself, but I think you're a thought leader in this sport. So I thank you for being a good steward of this sport. I think you underestimate just how many young anglers look at you no different than you looked at Kevin and so many others that came before you. So thank you for being a good steward of this sport.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks All for right. having me on.
0: Look forward to the next one. Yeah, it'll come soon. Well, you're going to go to a meeting, so that's it. Yeah, you too. See ya. And that got deep. It got deep real quick. But um, one thing I can guarantee you, the world needs a lot more people to think like Brandon Polnick, if you ask me. So I thank him for his time. And uh, something we haven't done in a while, if you're still listening to me, let's do a roll call. Let me know where you're watching from. Let me know in the comments because um, – it amazes me when I interact with you guys in the comments, and I try to get back to each and every one. But when I interact with you guys, when I hear there's people from Germany, from Australia, from all over the United States, all over Canada, but just let's do a roll call because it's it's fun to find out where, where this podcast is spawned or spewed or I don't know why it went that direction. But just let me know where you're watching from. Enjoy being. Have a great week. Go out there and enjoy yourself and, hey, smile at somebody. It can make a difference in the world, and you can make a difference in somebody's day just by smiling. Bob Cobb, take it away.
1: Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?